Good evening and welcome to a championship edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Good evening. How's everybody doing? Hopefully everyone is doing fantastic. This is a uh, just an unexpected thrill to end the 2017-2018 JMU sports year um, with lacrosse winning the national title. That's obviously what Rob and I are going to celebrate and focus on this evening. Um, we, before we get started, we should say um, we recognize that Coach Shelley has a lot of uh, media engagements <laughs> this week, probably a lot more than the SID ever thought <laughs> going, going up there last weekend. Um, hopefully we'll get to catch up with her again at some point, but tonight you're just going to get Rob and I uh, celebrating all things JMU lacrosse and maybe trying to place this, uh, this weekend's accomplishment uh, somewhere historically on the JMU scale. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room. Uh, I will be at the tap room, hopefully this Friday evening um, at the alumni conference. So you can go by the tap room there in Harrisonburg, mention the podcast, and you get a free pint glass. Uh, hope to catch up with our friends down there uh, this weekend at some point. So maybe see some other Dukes for the first time in a while for me. So looking forward to that. Um, we don't really have anything else. We're going to do kind of a extended four downs like we do on the football show um, tonight about this weekend's games for the Dukes. Uh, and then we're going to do a little overtime, but still pretty, pretty much stay focused on the sports side of this tonight. Um, really, Rob, and I, Rob, I think it's fair to say we're just both extremely excited about the way this went down this weekend, huh? Oh, without a doubt. And yeah. as we've been saying throughout, our, our enthusiasm kind of trumps our knowledge of the sport. Right. Um, but it certainly was a lot of fun. And it seems like the bandwagon picked up steam the past couple of weeks. And a lot of people were able to enjoy this. Um, probably a lot more than, than even thought they would. Uh, I've heard a lot of really good comments and people who might have turned in to the sport for the first time this year or maybe even for the first time this weekend and really had a blast. Um, it, it's a really fun game to watch. And it's always fun to see JMU win a championship. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I think Rob and I talked about on the blog this week. I don't think we've ever seen this level of engagement um, for a non-football event. You know, 2013, the men's team making the basketball tournament was pretty big. But the JMU fan base has grown so much, even in the last five years. I think, you know, we talked about largely because of the success they've had in football. Um, a little bit of help from softball and women's basketball. And, of course, that men's basketball team back in 2013. Uh, but, you know, with what's gone on the last couple of years, just such a growth of people who are, you know, I mean, I think there's, what, 15,000 people in that JMU Nation Facebook page now. So if there's a big game, everyone's at least aware of it in a different way than we would have been even five or six years ago. So it was just a really fun, fun weekend. Um, Rob, I guess we'll just do our four downs. Um, I don't know where to begin. I'll, I'll just, I'll let you take the first crack at this on your first down. <laughs> um, I guess it's, it, you know, it was a 16, 15 game. There was a lot of scoring back and forth, but I'm still going to lead with the defense. I was just really impressed the way they gave BC mixed looks, you know, threw some zone in there and really limited what BC was able to do. BC to, to their credit answered every time Jamie, you look like they were ready to go away. But Jamie never let them get sustained rhythm or even though they got out to a little bit of a lead, never let it get away from them. Um, you know, BC did really well with the draw controls, beat, mm -hmm. beat Jamie pretty consistently with that. Yet they were still only managed 24 shots. And mm -hmm. for comparison's sake, I think they had like 
north of 30, maybe 35 against Maryland. Um, they are an explosive team. So Jamie's D I thought was great all night. They caused 11 turnovers um, and just got some really great saves from Doherty and goal, particularly in the first half, you know, gave oh, yeah. the team a lot of confidence. Um, so I don't know. I was just, it was super impressed. You know, 15 goals is, is not a tremendous amount in lacrosse. If you're new to the sport, you might think, oh my gosh, there's something wrong. <laughs> That's not the case, um, particularly against an offense as potent as BC's and a player such as Apuzo, who was, even as an opposing fan, she was just a blast to watch Sure, um, all over the field. Uh, so I don't know. It was just, it impressed me. You know, the goals and the offense we knew were going to come. The defense isn't as apparent if you're just kind of watching the games um, from afar. Maybe a lot of people did, but I was super impressed with it. The, you know, the ride I thought was great all day, made it very difficult in transition and um, just impressive effort. So, Rob, the ride is trying to prevent them from transitioning, I guess? Yeah, I guess the ride, um, yeah. I guess, think of it as like a full-court press in mm-hmm. basketball or the four-check in hockey. So mm-hmm. it's really when you transition, when you give, when the other team gets the ball back and they're working the way back up the field, the ride is that sustained defensive effort all the way down, um, starting in their end, as opposed right. to just your traditional what, like half-field defense or defending an offensive set. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. That, that's, yeah. Just think, think of it as a full-court press. Yeah. And I think the defensive point, Rob, is a great way to start because we had talked, we've talked about lacrosse, I don't know, four or five times throughout the season. Um, we both got a chance to watch a few games this year, uh, had gotten, you know, progressively more and more interested in the team as the season went along, of course. And we both talked about that JMU's offense was filled with goal scorers, uh, filled with talent, and they would score. And we thought going into the tournament, I think we said that uh, they'd go as far as the defense carried them. And that was sure true this weekend. And it wasn't just the BC game. I mean, the defense was really a key in the North Carolina game on, in the semi. Um, oh, yeah. yeah on Friday? The, yeah. At the start of that game, JMU was really, I don't know if it was nerves being in the Final Four or just slow starting or what it was, but they struggled to get off, you know, to get on track offensively. And, yeah, Doherty was huge in goal early in that game. And the defense really kind of held them together. And be, while they offense got on track and, and was just enormous throughout. Yeah, I felt like Doherty just grew and grew through this tournament even. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. as a redshirt freshman, that's yeah. crazy. Um, just being able to step up and face such potent attack, you know, game in and game out pretty much all season and continue mm-hmm. to get better and really peak at the right time. Uh, I think she had seven saves on, on Saturday, which, which is pretty damn good. Uh, yeah. It's not like – it's not – you know, like other sports where people are shooting, you know, you know, 40, 50% is nothing to shake your head at if you're a goalie saving that many. So that's right. Um, she was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And, and she actually caught a few, you know, kind of rough breaks there late in the game. I mean, they had some kind of deflected shots or shots where a stick had gotten on a stick. And oh, took, that last one. Yeah, that last, that last one had to look up. It's like, oh my gosh, right. that's going to be heartbreaking. It yeah. just kind of trickles in and the goalie loses it. And right. Kind of rolls in. Um, yeah, that was bad. But she bounced right back up. And, and her quote after the game was so terrific. She's like, that's why you play. You play for moments like that. And you you got to put it behind you and get right up. Um, really, goalies need to be a little bit crazy, in my opinion. Right, right. And, and you really need, as they say, like the jump shooter's mentality. You believe that, you know, your last mistake was, was in the past and the next one's going to go in as a good jump shooter. It's the same thing. Like, goalies need to think the next one they're saving. And she certainly um, gives off that sort of aura. Yeah. And it's, it's exciting to, I mean, that the defense came together so well because JMU does lose, you know, a considerable amount of their offensive talent with seniors, is seniors. Um, 
have already graduated, I guess. And, but a lot of the defense is back next year and they will probably be looked to, to lead the title defense, so to speak. So I, I know that uh, Caroline Sedanowicz, Emma Johnson, um, Mo- Molly Doherty are all back next year. So some of their key players in the back uh, will be returning and certainly be counted on next year. So that's great, Rob. Um, my thought was just as a fan, what a fantastic game that was. Um, you know, whatever sport you're into, if you're a sports fan, I, I uh, you know, sort of caught a few Kurt Dudley comments after the game. And it is one of those things. I, I think Kurt, like us, is, is still learning the game. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. And, um, you know, but that game was back and forth. Both teams had a lot of runs. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It made me go back and rethink, like, watching the first two games against UVA and Florida. It, it made me realize, I think, that both of those teams were really – their strategy was designed around slowing down JMU. Yeah. You know, and watching these two games, um, this looked like miles ahead of those first two tournament games, both the Carolina game and the Boston College game. I mean – 16, 15 in a national championship where I think both teams at certain points in the game probably thought they were starting to gain control of it. It was superb sport and physical all over the field. Um, you know, it was really physical, really physical. I, yes. I think people that aren't familiar with women's lacrosse, unfortunately come to it with the mentality of comparing it against men's right. and they're different sports. It's a sport that can stand on its own. It's tremendously exciting. Um, the athletes are amazing. And so the team speed for both it's, teams it's was staggering. I mean, yes. The pace that game was played at was really just something that, that jumped out at me uh, mm-hmm. watching on television. Yeah, that, that's what I kept thinking was, I mean, and the, you know, people get, like you said, people try to compare the two sports, the men's and women's game, but the amount of running up and down is the same in both oh. sports. Oh, I it's mean, crazy. And to some extent, and, it may even be more in the women's game because you can't, knock people over right yeah but but like i guess the point i was trying to make and i just got sidetracked there was even though they're not all padded up and not wearing helmets and everything there's still a lot of physicality in the game it's (laughs) like people who say basketball isn't really a conduct sport well then yeah go try to drive against lebron james or or post somebody up like there's a lot of physicality in games that don't involve tackling or body checks yeah that was a very physical um physical game played down low and uh I don't know. There's just tremendous, tremendous athleticism by both teams. Yeah, I, I don't know if you were to talk about this, but I love the uh, that Elena Romsberg play after Boston College scored that goal, and the girl kind of ran into her. She just the chucked, Sergio Ramos. Yeah, just chucked her <laughs> yeah. down. And the yeah, BC fans were highlighting this and like, oh, look at this. And I was like, well, I mean, this is championship no, but, weekend here. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's just too play the game. Yeah. <laughs> You notice, like, BC players didn't really seem to take exception to that. It just seems no. one of those things. Like, you go in and you're going to fight for those goals, and sometimes you get them and you pay the price. I didn't think it was dirty. I just no. thought it was indicative of a couple really competitive players, you know, facing off against each other. That's right. Yeah. So what about second down for you, Rob? I guess just from, from BC's perspective, um, or the way they approached it, they kind of – it was a pick your poison sort of thing for JMU. BC determ- seemed determined not to let Gaudian beat them. Yeah, um, they did. Which is, which is understandable. I mean, what she had, I think final total, she had 80 goals this season. Right. Uh, tremendous player, you know, two Wartner Award finalists might, might take that home this weekend to cap off the season. But they faced Gardner and just said they were going to take her out. Um, and that's, that's fine. That's one strategy. But as you mentioned, JMU just has so much depth in terms of scoring. I think there were 
four girls that, that eclipsed the 40 goal mark. Mm-hmm. And we saw that like um, from the get go, other players, I, I wouldn't say they're secondary scoring. I mean, they Morgan, right. Hart, who I think had probably around 30 goals. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's pretty good. But when somebody like that is your fifth or sixth scoring option and steps up right out of the gate, I think she had, she had two first half goals. I think they were the third and fourth goals of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it just became pretty obvious that Gaudian was going to be perfectly content kind of picking her spots and taking the defense away and letting her teammates do what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And Hannah Haven and Elena Romsberg and then Haley Warden, yeah. who was the defensive stalwart our year. I mean, talk about an amazing tournament. When she had yeah, like nine goals on like 16 shots. Yeah. Um, there was unreal. And then Gaudian, you know, when she had those three points, she got free, she just made them pay. And walked was... away, you know, so, so you, your whole game plan appeared to be around stopping her. And she still has a hat trick and another assist or two for good measure. It just, it, what are you going to do with a team like that? It, uh, yeah, if you're it's facing tough. off against JMU, there's just so many weapons and they all seem so content to take what's there and let mm-hmm. whoever needs to step up, step up. You know, you don't get the idea. There didn't appear to be any frustration by Guardian. It wasn't like she felt she was. She certainly didn't appear to be. No, she um, didn't frustrate like you or anything. She just yeah. forced the issue. She was like, okay, I'm going to step aside and I'm going to take one defender out. My teammates are going to get it done. And then sooner or later, they're going to slide and leave me alone and I'm going to bury it. Yeah. And that's I mean, what she, she did. Yeah. Those last two yeah. goals she had were both kind of opportunistic. Like, I'm just going to bide my time. And when the and opportunity is there, yeah. I'm there. You know, and yeah, it was it great. Was awesome. And I think the same thing for, for Warden, who I think picked that up early in the North Carolina game because I think North Carolina did some of the same tried to do some of the same things yep. in terms of really focusing on Gaudian and mm-hmm. Warden who has been really, you know, sort of the, I don't know, the yin and yang to Katie, to uh, Katie Kerrigan who plays behind the cage. Warden kind of plays up top, yeah. um, you know, and, and has been more of a catalyst all year than a goal scorer and just said, if you're going to give this to me, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to take Yeah. It. You know, this is what yeah, the team again. is supposed to do. It, just more evidence that everybody's confident in the role and they were going to, you know, different players were going to step up and, and do what needed to be done, depending on the situation. Yeah. So that was really perfectly epitomized the season. And I was thrilled with Haven's play. Um, you know, she's oh, a yeah. junior. She's probably going to be, may, may, I don't know if she'll be the captain, but she's going to be a big leader of this team next year. And mm-hmm. she's a player that a couple times on here, I've been a little, not to say critical, but just, you know, she is a shoot first player. She is a yeah. real offensive player who is not going to, you know, has never met a shot she didn't like. And, she really played within the, you know, played for the team this weekend. Not that she wasn't before, but, and it was necessary for her to step up and take some shots this weekend. And they didn't appear to be forced either. I mean, she, it was awesome. And she was back in the back. I think she bailed out Sedanowicz and Johnson a couple times when they were really, you know, struggling to clear the zone. Um, it was great. I, I just really all around team effort from them. Yeah. See, I, I love that mentality that yeah. kind of i'm going to score and, yeah, and yeah. that kind of thirst for goals mm-hmm. like an Ovechkin type quality mm-hmm. um i never had that i never had an opportunity to pass that i didn't like like i shied away in the moment and um you love just that killer instinct that she has i played with some guys who were like <laughs> that who just no matter what whoever was on them they thought they'd get by and they were determined they were gonna do whatever they could to shoot right i actually found that to be wonderful um as a teammate yeah. to play with like the confidence i always envied that so i really admired that aspect of her that maybe other people might might look and go oh well you know she seems a little 
selfish. I don't view it that way at all. I view it as like aggressive and great, and just that kind of bulldog mentality. Yeah, I don't and think it comes up. It comes up big. Like Saturday, it comes on Sunday. It was absolutely necessary, and it was huge spark for the team. Yeah, I, I, I highly doubt that the coaching staff or her teammates were ever down on her about that. Oh, I just sure think it's a it. weird thing yeah. when you have you know you're surrounded by a group of seniors like Hart and Warden yeah. and Gaudian and Romesburg. You know, sometimes you're like, let's just keep working it around till we get a really open shot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, I got you. Yeah, that's all. Um, I just, I think she's just super fun to watch and I think she'd be really fun to play with. Oh, yeah. And she was, I mean, she was great all over the field. And uh, she was the one who had the ball in her stick at the very end of the game. So that was great. Um, yeah. And my second down was just, um, I want to talk about the coach and yeah. some of the speeches we got from the coach on the ESPN coverage over the weekend. There was uh, that was definitely uh, laying the gauntlet down for Coach Houston this fall, in terms of being ready to um, you know bring it in the locker room speeches. Uh, Coach Clay Spockham was fantastic. I, I think the commentators both talked about her speeches. Uh, I think as as all of us as fans and as Dukes, uh, when she said after the UNC game, we're not intimidated by anyone. That was you know <laughs> that was music to all of our ears. So I, I just, I mean, and, and the whole thing, I, I think we've talked about this, the UVA and Florida games before this were played in really humid conditions in the Berg. Um, this team clearly got stronger later in those games and they outlasted. I mean, they were the best physical team this weekend of yeah. the teams they played. And that's a huge credit to the assistant coaches, to the strength and conditioning staff, to all the offseason work that the women put in uh, getting ready. But there's no doubt that uh, just this, all of that is a huge credit to the coaching staff. And uh, we're, we're, I mean, it's, it's awesome what we have going at JMU right now. So, And then yeah. from a purely selfish perspective, I feel like I'm off the hook for my incredibly awkward, <laughs> is, is the national championship the goal question? You are completely <laughs> off the hook. I, I meant to start the show with that, Rob. Yeah. yeah you are was... now completely off the hook. Yes. And little, little inside baseball here. Um, after that happened, I immediately, we ended that podcast and I started texting Todd. I was like, you need to edit that crap out. That was so bad. I feel like I just embarrassed coach, put her on the spot. I didn't mean it like that. And I really didn't. It's just, it was just more evidence that I have no idea what I'm doing on this podcast. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, yeah, we we had coach on it for a preseason preview and we reposted it on the blog yesterday. If you want to go back and look at it. And Rob did put her on the spot saying it's the goal, a national championship. And, and to, to and kind she of answer right just, away, yes, that's always the goal. Well, she's like, well, that's she kind of couched in like, you're a moron. Why are you doing this to me? Um, I was just, I'm very interested in finding out how coaches and different teams and different sports approach preparing a practice. Like I know Coach K in basketball. Um, right. I know a lot of people hate him, but he's kind of famous for treating the NCAA tournament as three mini weekend tournaments. Right. You know, like you just try to win each weekend. Um, other coaches, you know, Nick Saban or, you know, Sam Baggett and every, every opponent's going to beat them in every game. Oh, we can't even think about beyond this. Other I mean, Houston last week at the coaches event I went to, and I think the one you went to, he mm-hmm. flat out tells the crowd the goal is a national championship. It's very different. So I just, I was curious being like, Hey, how do you approach this? And what I just awful and awkward and, <laughs> no, no, and completely, was... completely inept, but I don't know. Like when you go in, do you set goals? Like, okay, we want to improve upon last year, or we want to come out of the non-conference portion of the schedule with a winning record. Or is it like one of those things where you wrote, we're going to win it all in Stony Brook 
the, the last weekend of May. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, of course, I completely screwed that up. And I was like, oh, should we expect a national championship? It's <laughs> well, <laughs> not like a bit of a moron, but hey, things work out. So. Well, and look, in hindsight, whether it's Coach Houston or Coach Shelley, um, they knew what they had on their racket uh, in terms of the, the team they had ready to go. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, um, it's easy to say, like Coach Houston, we expect to compete for national championships when you've been there the last two years and you got – kids trying to transfer in from all over the place and you know you know you have the talent to compete for it um i think our question and rob's question at the time was you know if you're coach eikenberry in baseball and you're trying to rebuild a program i don't think you write on the blackboard uh we're going to omaha to start of the season yeah you know I, I, or at least i mean sure that's the goal for everyone but i don't know if that's where i, I mean I, I don't think you want to put your team in a position where that anything short of that feels like failure if you don't actually think that's possible right yeah 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 so that's pretty good well what about you rob for a kind of third down third down? are we doing all four i thought we were doing oh, four we combined do a couple. yeah i just well, anything I got, I got else more. i got one more I just, yeah well I have a final thing like i mentioned before that bc was particularly effective um on the draw controls they won 20 out of 33 uh, really gave them kind of consistent opportunities all day but when it ultimately mattered, the, mm-hmm. the most important draw of the season, 22 seconds left, clinging to a one-goal lead. It was that kind of fluky goal that, that trickled in Doherty's front. Helly Ward kept up, came up big and won it, and they were able to run off the clock. That was just super, super exciting and a tremendous way to end the championship. Sure was. And, uh, yeah, there had been another one. I don't know if – I guess it was before that last BC goal that she, she had won another one late in the game where – Charlotte Haggerty, the little freshman midfielder, had kind of chased it down and drew a foul way back. You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the most critical draws of the game, Warden stepped up. And, and she was playing, I think it was pretty clear from the ESPN team, the two players she was facing in, on both North Carolina, that girl, uh, I think it was McCool, and then the girl, uh, Apuzo, obviously, this Apuzo. weekend from BC, yeah. were, I mean, those two were thought of as really the, I mean, the premier, the premier two. players and two of the premier players in the country and, and certainly two of the, no doubt about it, premier players at that particular skill. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, Warden's ability to hold her own on that, in that phase of the game. And then win them when crucial. they mattered. Yeah. Yes. It was crucial. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say was just a huge um, kind of shout out to some of the fan stuff that we saw this weekend. Um, great turnout from JMU Nation up there. I had gone to a game earlier in the season down here at High Point, and obviously was aware that the parents and the sort of friends and family section was uh, was intense, and was definitely a typical JMU tailgating crowd, getting into the game and and you know letting it all hang out a little bit. But I think there there seemed to be considerably more Dukes uh, coming through the TV broadcast than just than just family members. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that was really great to see. Uh, I, I can only imagine what this means to some of the former players in this program. So that's, that's really great. And, and then, I, you know, Rob and I kind of joked at the beginning of the season, I don't know how I felt about the uh, home whites with the kind of crazy Georgetown design. Uh, but certainly winning a national championship makes it all look a lot better. And now I, I, I don't, I don't know if those are bluestone uniforms, but I'm all for those anywhere else, Rob. <laughs> so Yeah, it was cool. And it's also just cool, you know, even though the story seems to be that they were an underdog program. And I think oh, people, yeah. 
bristled on that crap, but um, mm-hmm. they won them in the home whites. They were the higher seed. So yeah. it just shows that, yeah, they were underdog in the sense of people that might have been paying attention or they were outside on the fringes of the top 15. I think there were 17 in the preseason poll. Mm-hmm. But they went in there and they were one of the top four seeds, um, did what they had to do, and then won as the higher seed in the tournament and the championship yeah. game. So. Yeah, I think the biggest thing on the underdog thing was just for people that follow the sport more closely than we do, there has not been a team since 2004 except for the three heavyweights, Northwestern, Maryland, and North Carolina, that has won a title. If you go all the way back to, I think it's like 1998 or something. You I think it's like add, 1990. Yeah, Princeton, you could add like Virginia yeah. and Princeton, yeah, in that mix. And those are the only five teams that have won a program. And there's only five or six more teams that have even been in a title game. Like, so I, th- I just think the... I, I, think, I think it was more an outsider. Or, yes. Or, or crashing the party more yes. so than Cinderella. or, But they use that to their advantage regardless you know whatever it is playing with a little bit of chip on their shoulder and proving to everybody that hey we're here and we're supposed to be here and we're ready to win yeah um, it, probably more motivated or anything else and, and br- brutal yeah. for bc that's two years in a row coming up short <laughs> yeah um, that's a rough one that, that's not easy it's that's really texas ranger to, stuff right there yeah yeah or buffalo bills or something yeah. you know, like it, it's brutal but they were a good team they've been on the cusp now for two years and they don't appear to be going anywhere so yeah Rob, one question I have for you on the fan front. Um, Mm -hmm. At the end of the fight song, the lacrosse players and families and fans um, add on a little dog wolf kind of a thing, um, which I kind of love. Is that something that I've missed? Has that been going on in other sports? I don't you know. know they, they seem to be, yeah. They, like, they seem to be particularly into the dog element of Duke Dog. Yeah, I was not going to get yeah. into it. Uh, yeah, the uh, the players' dads yeah, have, have definitely uh, <laughs> gone well, no, full bomb. Like, yes. Well, the, the whole the rallying cry of like Duke Dog pride that right. seems to be particularly important to the lacrosse team more mm-hmm. so than some other teams that are just Dukes. Um, but but I don't I'm know. No, I, mean, I, I like the little uh, ending, the little uh, improv there at the end of the fight song. I I, I would be perfectly comfortable if that uh, spreads to other other JMU events. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm all for any sort of organic excitement as long as you, you know how I feel about some of these sports traditions. Right. But that seems to be purely organic and done from nothing other than a place of enthusiasm from the fans. Mm-hmm. So I am, I'm a huge proponent of it. Go for it. Do what works. Nice. All right. So with that, I think we wanted to, for overtime tonight, we're just going to kind of try to place this a little bit um, in terms of what it means for JMU. Um, Rabbi, I, my initial question was kind of, you know, we obviously were kind of, I guess you were, you were already there when field hockey won the JMU's first national title in 1994. Uh, and that was sort of like this, I, I don't know, just like a weird anomaly in the universe for until JMU won the football title a decade later. And since then the expectations have been higher, at least for football. But what do you think? I mean, is this a shooting star or is this, you know, I mean, this has been consistent this three years for JMU, putting football in back-to-back national championships and putting lacrosse in the championship. You know, is this? A, do you think this could be a sign of something bigger for JMU? I don't know. I, I think it's certainly indicative of the fact that JMU has a really fantastic athletic program top to bottom. Mm-hmm. People gripe about the basketball situation. I think that's trending up. I think that's definitely on the right glide path, and the new facilities will only help. The overall athletic program is terrific. I think from a very simple perspective, my hope is that 
this just exposed a lot of people to lacrosse and will get this program a lot more support on campus and with the alums. Um, everybody I know tuned in had a blast watching it. Yeah. I hope that's sustained. I hope people actually just don't it's always great to jump on the winner of a bandwagon, but I'd like to see them start drawing more crowds. I'd like to see one of these teams people follow just as they have with softball and women's basketball mm-hmm. that now have tremendous fan bases. And the other thing from lacrosse perspective, I'm really optimistic with the men's game. It's still very much the blue bloods right. and a similar thing, although it's not as close of a system, you start to have new people or new programs um, become relevant. I mean, mm-hmm. Yale yeah. won. They were, it's their first real national championship. They claim some other weird one. In like the 1800s, right, right. Yeah. But I think it's, it, it, might, it might be a situation where JMU's knocked on the door and now you start to see a more wide open playing field. That's kind of my hope. Um, if not, it would be great if Jamie is just now one of these five or six teams that competes every year. But I think more realistically, we're going to start to see the, the growth of the overall sport, and you're going to start to see more new programs entering and making deep runs in the tournament. Um, on the men's side, you've had teams like Denver have become powers, or mm-hmm. I mean, Ohio State is good. Georgetown appears to be finally reaching the potential that they had five or ten years ago before it fell apart. Um, Albany now, now is a big right. player. So it's much better for the game. And while you can't take anything away from the Maryland's or the Northwestern's of the world that go on these runs and have these little mini dynasties, I think it's much better for the sport when you don't know, okay, the champion's going to come from one of these three or four programs. Um, JMU just proved they could do that, that you can do that. Yale proved it on the men's side. So um, I I don't think this is going to be any sort of great strides where all of a sudden every single one of our teams competes for a national championship. But Again, it's just it's another point of evidence that we've got a really good thing going at JMU, and we've got a lot of really good programs, and they're all worth supporting. And when you tune in, you can have a really good time, mm-hmm. and it's another way to, to, to share a cool experience with other alums. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think a couple things on that is, uh, you know, Coach Shelley told us before the season, she really believes, and it's the proof is now in the pudding, that uh, JMU had the resources, the support, and the facilities now to be a national power in women's lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they certainly have the recruiting, you know, where, where they recruit their students from happens to line up perfectly with the lacrosse, you know, the hotbed of lacrosse recruiting. So there's no, no doubt about that. And now that with the Sentara Park online, they certainly have the type of high quality facilities that, that any player will be looking for. And I mean, now they're certainly a name on the map. I also think one other thing, Rob, it was kind of cool. And I, I know I've been really hard on the CAA. Um, we've also made fun of the new commish, but there was a lot of support from the other colonial schools this weekend. Um, JMU practiced at Hofstra down the street. Obviously coach Shelley coached there before. So there may have been some of that, but Hofstra seemed really supportive. Um, our friends over at the William and Mary sports blog were, you know, chimed in right away. Obviously, Towson is, is another I – mean, they were the seventh seed in the tournament. I mean, another really, you know, clearly close to knocking on the door. And I think, you know, Delaware won that field hockey title what, last year or the year before. There's no doubt that uh, there's opportunities here for JMU. And like you said, for the sport to grow, um, it, it wouldn't be out of the question for the Colonial to – you know, the announcers this weekend were like, I can't believe this team from the CAA. But it's not that weird when you really stop and think about it. So at least in this sport, so that no, was pretty no, cool. it's not. And I mean, the, the top 20 poll is still dominated by, you know, the ACC and, and the Ivies and, um, 
so I don't think I probably exaggerated my expectations. That it's gonna be, <laughs> oh, you know, just kick down the doors into everybody. But yeah, there's no reason why Towson couldn't do this in, mm-hmm. in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, Florida. That's not exactly, you don't really think of Florida as a lacrosse hotbed. We saw no. last weekend, they're a heck of a program. Mm-hmm. Um, Navy, obviously, being there in Annapolis. But service academies, that's, that's neat. You can do it. Yeah. Um, Colorado, Stanford, the game is growing. So this is, this is good for the game. Uh, we don't need to see the same three or four teams just trade off three or four year runs where they win it um, back yeah. and forth. This was, well, this and was the other cool thing, I think, on the bigger picture is just that, you know, that 94 field hockey title was amazing. And, you know, just like a bolt of lightning for, for JMU athletics, for sure. But there wasn't the ability to sort of amplify your message and your excitement and talk about JMU and the school and the program and the athletic program and everything they have to offer. I mean, it was really hard to get that message out back then. And obviously the last four or five years with the two game day appearances and the success of the football team and softball hosting a regional and now this title, you know, that rubs off on recruits no no matter what sport you're talking about. Just that excitement around a program and you know, I just I couldn't help thinking of our our friends. I saw we got a comment from our old friend Karen uh, on the blog this week about it. But I couldn't help thinking of a few of our old friends who played lacrosse at JMU, um, and just what as the kind of seconds tick down there, like how cool this must have been for the players who have been there before, and to realize what this might mean recruiting wise going forward. I mean, we've seen that the last four years with football that success certainly breeds success. And to take so, pride in it. Yes. You know, those you players, are, they're a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. As Coach Shelley said, you know, when she was there, she was never outside the top 20. You know, they're, they're a consistent program. They were just kind of knocking on that door, and there still was that barrier around the non-P5 and the non-elite programs. Um, but they kept chipping away, and, you know, it's the program's 50th year, and they finally broke through and did it. So that's a credit to everybody who's ever, who's ever put on the uniform. You know, For sure. This – Obviously, this year's team deserves the, the overwhelming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But I think they'd even tell you they were put in this position yeah. where they could, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants or whatever that crap is people yeah. say. But um, absolutely, the Casey and Carlos of the row and Kelly Rables and, you know, all these other people that played so well and really put JMU on the map originally. Yep. Um, they, they definitely played a part in this, and they should be celebrating this weekend too. Absolutely. So I think that's about it for me. How about you, Rob? No, that's it. You good? Yeah. That's it for so me. Yeah, good. We are just so excited. What a way to end the year for JMU. I, I guess, Rob, one last question. Um, you know, there was a little bit of argument. I did kind of peruse the message boards uh, yesterday and today. Oh, and there was, so of sorry. course, this argument. I know. This argument over, um, you know, it's, it's a ridiculous argument over whether the FCS title is bigger than this or less than this, um, what, it, what it all means. I don't think it really matters. Um, I, I guess it's the first thing I'd say. There is no doubt that there are 120 D1 programs, which is the same amount that FBS has uh, in yeah. football. And JMU is winning a – there is no asterisk whatsoever on this title. Right? I mean um, – No. No. I mean, there's no explanation of the league. No, they just won the whole thing. Right? I mean, people I work with understand – Jamie won a national championship. Like there's yeah. no qualifier at all. Um, that doesn't in any way take away from what football has done. It also doesn't mean that it is going to lead to the exposure that football has gained for the university over the last 
you know, 15 plus years, but we don't have to have this like constant battle about this. Um, that, that was kind of one no, thing I was thinking. No, no you we know. absolutely do not. No, no, not at all. And, um, and also, I mean, yeah. I'll laugh at the jokes too. I don't understand why people got to bring Virginia Tech into this crap. <laughs> I really don't like. No, it's just it just seems so petty to me. Right. And the constant like, just enjoy it. Be proud of of all these these athletes and these coaches, and be proud of the school. And I, who cares? Who cares if Virginia Tech has won national championship? I guess that that's funny to some people. I'm not a big salt moon. I'm not a big trash talk guy. I'm much more like. Hey, I don't really care what you think about JMU. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this. Yeah. So people are different, but it, it, some people you can tell are just poking fun and absolutely have it. Some people get really into that, and it's like, I don't know, just live and let live. I, I don't get it. Yeah, Rob. Before we go, one one last. This may be. A, I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm not. I'm probably committing sacrilege here, but I'm not entirely sure that I would would trade this championship for this past year's football championship. <laughs> um, just in the sense, I mean, look on a personal level, I got to go to those games. I love it. Rob and I obviously put a lot of time and effort into football. Uh, we're incredibly passionate about it, but I guess in what it means for the whole university and for the whole athletic program, like football has put their stamp on where they are. And that wasn't dependent on five turnovers against North Dakota state in the championship game this year. Like they'd already earned it. Uh, this definitely is the, is the clearest sign we've seen that Rob and I have been, we've been appreciating for the last couple of years that JMU is having a moment, right? Like this last four years has been all the other great things in the past acknowledged, but this has been something else. Like, and we've all been just thrilled to be a part of it and be around it and see it the last four years. This was like a, such an icing on the cake of that. Um, such a fun thing. So, you know, you don't have to compare the two at all. And, and that's probably wrong of me to even think that. But I just, what a way to end this year. Um, you know, JMU is definitely having its moment right now for JMU Athletics. And for everyone who has poo-pooed things over the years, myself included, uh, this is a lot of fun. And this is crow that I'm happy to eat. So. Yeah, well, I mean, football and men's basketball are the two 10,000-pound gorillas in college athletics. You don't need us to tell you that. But this is it's just another way, like, you can have fun doing, you know, taking on different sports and um, getting exposed to different things and opens a lot of people's up, eyes up to all the different ways that JMU is successful and all the different ways you can have fun as a fan. Um, this one was And Elena Ronsberg has a 3.89 GPA. Right? Oh, yeah. She won the award for – the highest GPA in the NCAA lacrosse tournament this year. Yeah, like, well, I mean, these and, kids. Yeah. I mean, well, I, and the, I, credit to JMU men, across all sports, right? I mean, that has been a, a big, I, I don't want to say, I'd say a change, but it's something to be proud of for sure. Yeah. And, and lacrosse has grown men's and women's. There's much more diversity in the game. It's not just prep schools or, or you know, elite private schools from Long Island, DC, Maryland, you know, it's different, right. but used to watch the men's tournament and one of the things everybody used to joke about is the announcers would always talk about how these guys are playing on Monday and do it Goldman Sachs on Tuesday. Like it's just, it's a different sort of <laughs> right, mentality. Right. And, and I actually shared an office with a guy who was a three-time All-American from Princeton for a while. And the connections this dude had were insane. He could pick up the phone and get access. I mean, he's, whatever. Yeah. It's, just, it's a different sort of sport. Um, yeah. So it was well, nice to see 
Lax yeah. Bros roll deep. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yes. Um, yes. But it's more diverse now. But again, it's still nice to see people who are um, true student athletes, you know, like, mm-hmm. like Atlanta Remsburg and can succeed both on and off the field. And what a way to cap their senior year and their college careers. Unbelievable. So thank you everyone who joined in the fun this weekend. Um, we certainly had a lot of fun interacting with a lot of different people. Um, even if we were sucked down the uh, Barstool JMU rabbit hole there for a while oh, um, over the weekend on this Virginia Tech and ODU stuff. But it, it was a blast. Um, thank you most of all to the program. I mean, to Coach Shelley, to the team. Rob, you are definitely off the hook. As you pointed yeah. out right after the game, um, the only, every JMU coach that has been on the podcast in the calendar year 2018 has won a national title. So, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. Might be coincidence. Might not. Right. So, Coach Houston, if you're out there, um, yeah. happy to have you anytime this summer. Um, we are, with this, we are transitioning to the summer season. Rob and I plan to keep this going. As the summer goes along, I'm sure we will get uh, more and more football-related. We will be a little in and out with our own personal schedules this summer. But we will be here um, for sure. Hopefully, we might even get to talk to Coach Shelley again here in the next couple of weeks. So, that'll be fun. Could even be a bonus pod if we have that crammed in sometime this week or next week. Um, but we'll have plenty of JMU related stuff to talk about. And thank you to everybody who has, I mean, it's incredible. Just last thing, right? Thanks Rob for to um, everybody who's joined us for the pod and the blog this year. Uh, we really started this before last football. So this is the end of our first full calendar year of JMU podcasting. <laughs> and uh, thank you everybody. And uh, we will see you hopefully at pale fire. If not this summer, then um, in the fall or down here at NC state on labor day so thanks rob all right have a good one all right go dukes